Hello and welcome to the Unstoppable Woman podcast, where I reveal the power of your heart to create leadership impact and cultivate confidence for the life you want. I'm your host, Glyn Bailey, and as a corporate finance leader, executive coach, entrepreneur, and author, I know all too well the challenges that prevent female leaders from claiming their seat at the table. In this podcast, I talk all things to do with self-leadership, sharing stories, insights, and guidance on how to ultimately get out of your own way to live a life in alignment with who you are. When you begin to see the impact that you can have, no matter where you are starting on your journey, life becomes one huge adventure. I'm so excited that you are sharing your journey to Unstoppable with me. So let's dive right in. Welcome to episode 45 of Unstoppable Woman. My guest today is Melissa Brown. I am so grateful our diaries aligned and that I was able to have her on my show and share more about her journey with you. I wanted Mel on the show as she's someone who I've admired since she came into my orbit through Tina Towers Empire Builders Mastermind Group. Mel is an ex-accountant, an ex-financial advisor, and importantly, ex-working till she drops. Nowadays, she's a best-selling author, financial educator, business strategist and mentor, and entrepreneur who is passionate about helping women in particular to live a life by design, not default, by taking charge of their finances. In this episode, Mel shares the story behind her success and the journey she took to get there. In an honest and candid interview, she shares how, as a people pleaser growing up, she survived making a significant and brave decision to choose herself even when she knew it could mean losing the support of family and friends. She also shares the trigger moments that helped her recognise when she needed to change direction and how to make decisions that are aligned both to her head and heart. What I love about this interview is that Mel shares her own insights on moving away from just applying coping strategies to survive the life that she was living, but instead learning how to consciously choose how she wanted to live her life. She's rejected many societal norms and shares what it takes to be courageous and choose yourself. And I certainly know you'll get so much value from her insights in her own journey. She's on her way to creating her third seven figure business and has such valuable wisdom to share about the journey. And in this episode, you'll get the behind the scenes journey on her life and her guidance on how you can be unstoppable. So without further ado, let's get straight in. Hello, Mel. Thank you so much for being on the show. For my audience, in your own words, would love to hear more about you and the journey that you've been on. Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) Thanks for having me. Uh, So I guess I describe myself as an accidental entrepreneur. Uh, Where I am now is absolutely not where I thought that I would be, um, personally and professionally. So um, like if you had talked to 18-year-old me and say that one one day you're going to choose not to have children, you will have been married twice, um, you'll have studied to be an accountant, you know, you didn't, you weren't a lawyer. Um, if I just told her that piece of the puzzle, I'd go, oh, okay. <laughs> that sounds awful. <laughs> but if I'd gone on to say, but hey, you'll also get to write books and uh, speak in front of uh, thousands of people and you'll get to make an impact on the lives of women financially, that uh, the, per, the life that you'll design is one that you'll actually choose to do and you'll choose to work in a way that works for you, that you can work anywhere that you want. You don't have to work for someone Um, And you have choice and support and a family that you've set up that was, again, your choice, uh, that just wants to cheer and have the best for you. Then I think I might have gone, oh, okay, thank thank goodness. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. And I empathize with that, that 18-year-old self that has this great dream about what we think life should look like. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And then yeah. the reality that ensues not necessarily matching this picture or self that we have in our minds. And then how you, how you, yeah, reconcile that actually you get to choose and then it doesn't mm. have to look how society and culture indicates. Oh, Mel, yeah. there's so much to <laughs> Wow. Where, where did you even start with the recognition that you had choice 
around mm. where you went next. So, so take us back to, let's start personally, and then we yep. can talk a little bit about professionally around choices there. But mm. what was the defining moment for you around, you mentioned no kids and married mm. for the second time. Tell me a little bit more about that journey. So I grew up in a very um, a fundamental Christian household, but also a very um, uh, inconsistent, um, uncertain uh, one as well. So I and I would I'm the oldest child, so I grew up just wanting to please. You know, I just wanted to I you know I just wanted my words in my head were probably I just want people to think well of me um, and I want people to be happy with what I'm doing so I am I was the ultimate people pleaser and um, certainly personally at age 28 I think I'd had a raging eating disorder uh, married to a first husband who um, was just yeah, it's not something I publicly talk about why um, I made the decision to leave. Yeah. Uh, but I knew by doing that that my parents potentially would never talk to me again. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a result of that happening and them not talking to me for many, many months um, and really losing the support of good of friends that were mutual friends, you know how mutual friends make those decisions to choose a camp? Oh, yes. <laughs> I then realized from coming through that, huh, okay, well, I survived that. And that might seem like such a silly little thing. And it was, it took me really to 33 for that to actually happen. So it was kind of five year thing. And when I realized that, I think I then looked at every other point of my life and went, okay, so I'm an accidental accountant. I'm only studying this to keep my dad happy because he was devastated when I stopped studying law because it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. So is this something I want to keep doing? Um, and from that, I worked out that I loved business. You know, I discovered Jim Collins. Um, I started reading voraciously. I started studying for an MBA. And I realized business was the thing I was excited about. Accounting was simply the vehicle that meant that I could help business people build their business. Um, and so I think it gave me the confidence. Each decision that I made gave me the confidence to try something else out. And I certainly uh, had a good friend at the time, Debbie O'Connor, um, who described me as the mouse. So she said, oh, you know, we would go networking together and she would drag me quite literally around the room to meet people because I would be in the corner going, so I'm here. Surely just being here is enough. I don't actually have to talk to people because <laughs> I was so introverted. Um, and she loves to talk about the fact that she looks at me today and says, wow, to think back of how you were and the leaps that you've made. Um, which is where I love that you have these conversations because I think it's really easy to look at someone after they've done the work, after they've made those thousands of small steps and tiny decisions that end up like a snowball to where they are now versus, you know, if I was 28 looking at myself, I'd go, oh, God, how do I make that leap? Like I don't know that I would have known how to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, so it's it's. The, all those little decisions that compound. And it's such a brave step as well because when you've got conditioning from childhood around yeah. parents' expectations, you mentioned you're a people pleaser, being the, the eldest child, there's a level of responsibility that you, you put on yourself to yes. lead and, and to not be the person that lets your family down or, or, yeah. or bring them shame in whatever... Yeah concept they might have of that yeah and so it's a really courageous decision and to have to peel back yourself to then go the people that are supposed to be there for you the closest have then chosen to judge a choice you've made for for your own personal reasons and having Mm. to reconcile that before you can move forward that must have been an incredibly challenging time Mm. when you think about the support systems that you either accidentally found or nurtured what was it that gave you strength to not go down a spiral down and yes it's taken five years but to Mm. come out the other side what was it that supported the journey upwards and onwards than potentially what could have led you down a very dark path of 
feeling rejected and abandoned and then what you know and not necessarily clear around your direction yeah so I think it's twin so for me it was therapy (laughs) and I just want to say that uh, I think there's a sh- there's a shame around so many things, and just some of that shame is money and financial, and I see that a lot. Yeah. Um, but I actually see that therapy is something that will help us with our finances, as well as helping us with relationships and so many different aspects of our lives. So that absolutely helped me. Yeah. But also realizing you get to choose your family, and I had some incredible, and I'm an introvert, so I have my very close small group of friends yeah. that have. Uh, changed over time but that is my family Uh, and I'm really grateful for them that they have my back Mm -hmm. and they are they're the ones where they're my cheerleaders uh, and they are also the people that will pull me up and say hey Mel what the hell (laughs) what are you doing and I think you want both I don't want to surround myself with yes people Mm -hmm. I want to surround myself with people who uh, want the best for me, but are, are willing to challenge me at the same point and are happy for me to do that to them because we genuinely love one another. Um, and I'm very uh, grateful that I have some extraordinary people in my life um, from my uh, husband, my now husband, uh, through to my, I have a gay husband as well. Uh, I think every woman should have one uh, through to my work <laughs> yeah. life and then other incredible people that have been in my life for a long time. Um, but it's it's that family that you create. And as a result of that, I've been able to have a relationship with my family and that's by choice because it would have been very easy to say, actually, I don't want that anymore. Um, And that was a choice. And that's where everything in life, I believe, is a choice. Um, And I choose how I interact with them. I choose the the effect they have on me. But I'm also aware at the end of the day that I'm still a child somewhat and that, you know, I'm seeing uh, my family soon and you get that whole... Yeah, <laughs> emotion. My husband reckons he can pick when my mother rings, which will only happen probably once a year, and he can also pick when I'm when it's going to be in my diary to see them. And it's funny because he's right. Yeah, um, but it's realizing that as an adult, I have a toolkit now to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, in the same way that I have a toolkit to deal with business and with all sorts of other things in my life, um, and I think. Hollywood and Disney are somewhat to blame sometime with this is how it should look and actually it doesn't need to look like that our lives get to look however we want them to look oh Um, absolutely and I love that you've chosen your family love that you've got a gay husband I've got a gorgeous gay friend (laughs) who I would say definitely if he wasn't gay we'd be married totally (laughs) yeah we're going to be end up together when we're older I'm convinced yeah <laughs> and it's just the best that you get to choose. And moving across from England to Australia, I had to do that and choose yes. my family here because I don't have my family accessible to me easily from a location perspective. Mm. Now, when you're thinking about that journey that you've taken, and I love that you've chosen, when it comes to choosing wisely, cheerleaders those that want the best for you those that have your back but also those that are going to be willing to challenge you to be your your best Mm. what did you need to do to understand who you were before you could then choose what you needed around you was was that accidental Mm. or was that choiceful too no that was definitely a choice and I think part of it was twin it was realizing that I could keep going with all those uh because certainly I had coping mechanisms to help me make choice, but they were really unhealthy Mm. Um, and they could have seen me through. But again, I think they would have limited my potential. So it was realising that how do I actually want to live going forward? Um, And certainly from age 33, I've been making that more strategically around. So how do I how do I want to live? And I think too few people consciously decide that. We just go, okay, this is the next step. It's the next child or the next job or the next thing. Mm -hmm. And I've certainly rejected lots of societal norms, like having kids and doing all those things. And even where I choose to live. And I think 
working at like choosing at different times to work with coaches, to work with uh, therapists and different therapists at different times, depending on the need and different coaches at different times, depending on the need. And certainly it's funny, you know, I've hired business coaches and during it going, oh God, I'm going to have to work on this thing that has reared its head. And that's what sabotaging me. Damn it. I thought you'd been dealt with. Mm. Um, but certainly I think that at every stage in life, it's again, that opportunity to say, so what do I need to look at now in order to move forward? Um, and certainly I'm in the process of doing that again to say, okay, uh, what, you know, as we start to come out of COVID, what do I want to bring with me next year? Yeah. Um, what have I said yes to, because it seemed like a good decision at the time, or I said yes to out of fear, um, because that's a very big habit of mine. And what would I choose next year if I had, a, if I actually had choice and I could do the thing that I wanted to do and nothing else? Um, and I guess, especially not having kids, I'm in a unique position where I don't have things that tie me down to certain decisions. So it's allowing the space to ask those questions. And then once I've asked them to say, and who do I need and what do I need in order yeah. to see that come to fruition? Yeah. And when you choose what you, how you want to live mm. is that heart head how much are the two aligned where do you find the conflict because yeah there's, there's such a challenge I find with the women that I work with where they make decisions they're senior executives in corporate or their business owners a lot of what they're doing is okay here's my head making a decision about what next and it's almost unconsciously taking over and the distance yeah. between their heart is is growing and then there's this feeling that comes up about you know I'm doing what I'm choosing but something still doesn't feel right how how do you keep oh, to yeah to I aligned I definitely relate to that um so I'm a very pragmatic person and I also am a discerner money type so I believe that there's four different money types so I am very uh, I'm very head um, and I, I, I will often do something because it's strategic or, well, of course that makes sense. And mm -hmm. um, that is the natural next step. Um, and often it's the, in the doing of it that I realize that I just is sitting like an itchy jacket or it's not right, or I'm just energetically, it, it just feels all out of whack. And there's something I'm certainly doing in business at the moment that feels like that. Yeah. To the outside world, it would make sense. Mm. Um, it's profitable. It is absolutely within my skill set. Um, and the people that I'm doing it for love it. Yeah. But for me, I'm looking at it going, oh, <laughs> it's the heart piece. Yeah. Uh, it's a, this actually isn't right for me at the moment or maybe even anymore. So how can I change that? And I think that's the courageous piece. You know, if I look across to Samantha Wills and different other people that I admire, oh, amazing. the heart piece was shut down the business. Yeah. Whereas head, I bet, was, well, of course it would make sense to sell it. I would get in dollars. That would actually then make uh, sure I was looked after. Yes. But heart was actually no shut it down. Yeah. And I really relate to that. Yeah. Um, certainly with something that I'm looking at the moment. And I think... To I think with women, we have a natural intuition and I think it's one of our great strengths. And Karen James, who was um, ex-women in focus of CBA, one of my mentors, once described uh, the ability to foster a data-based gut. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that head-heart piece. It's mm -hmm. understanding the strategic piece, knowing the as strategy, the analysts, analysis and everything behind it, but being brave enough and willing enough to engage your gut yeah. and say, okay, but does it feel right? Mm -hmm. And if not, why not? Um, and certainly I've made business decisions where I look back now and go, that was pure head. Yeah. Ugh, if I'd listened to my gut, I never would have done it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think as women, it's really, that's, as I said, that's a superpower if we were to engage both. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that isn't easy to do, right? So yes. you've, when you've, you've just mentioned, touched on a bit around the business journey. So you've had 
quite a number of different businesses and recently mm. transitioned was it 2019 you sold your accounting practice yeah can you tell me a little bit about the journey to realize one building up your accounting practice but then two realizing it was the right time to sell and was that a heart head decision and how did you navigate that and then how did you get clarity around what next and and lead us into what you're doing now and 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 sharing more about your passion in in this new new arena yeah and arts it head heart is just so in it so I um started my accounting firm when I was 28 just really to uh start do some more study and that was my decision at 33 to do I still want to do this or not fell in love with business and so really started to figure out how can I have a great business and also teach my clients business. Mm. So um, we did a lot of work in that space around making it as a really different, innovative accounting firm. And I'm really proud of what we built. So I'm one of the very, very few female-owned, one-owner, seven-figure accounting firms in the country. And I sold that to an ASX-listed accounting firm in 2019. And part of the reason was Lawsy, who'd worked with me for 10 years, came to me in 2000 and early 2019 and said, I think I'm done. Mm-hmm. And I think it was 2018 she came to me. Yeah. So I think I'm done. I don't think I've got that long left. She said, I reckon I've got, I think she told me about five years, uh, which is still a long time. But I looked at it and went, oh, God. And it was that moment where I went, oh, she left. I wouldn't. No. <laughs> so it started me thinking about it. But then in 2000, and uh, I think it was 19. Yes, it must have been early 19. We'd had that conversation. And then in 2019, I woke up one morning and I couldn't move. And I had suffered a compressed nerve in my neck. And I'm a front sleeper. Uh, it's yeah. just one of just a random thing. But for three months, basically, I couldn't really work. Um, it was the most debilitating thing. And you never want to be in that surgeon or I didn't end up having to get surgery, thank goodness, but I had to get some injections and you never want to be in an office with absolute professionals in their field where they're calling in people going, oh, my gosh, look at this. (laughs) Yeah, Because the injury was so significant that, you know, I couldn't drive. I, I really shouldn't have worked but pushed myself through as we do. And during that time, I remember looking at it going, what am I doing? Mm. You know, this is now affecting my health. And I have no doubt that the stress um, of a whole lot was affecting this because it continues to affect, my neck continues to affect me now when I'm stressed. So I looked at some different options. I even travelled to um, the Philippines and looked at, do we start up a bookkeeping business? came back and was challenged by everyone from Tina Tower, who I met during that time, to a good friend, Shanika Silva, who I travelled to the Philippines with, and and Lawsy and a few others to say, what what are you doing? Like, why wait till 50 to sell? Like, what's stopping you? So I rang uh, Shan and said, do you want it? Um, And I rang... uh, this uh, ASX-listed chairman who I'd met once before, who I thought at the time would be a good fit, and said, do you want it? And within six weeks, I sold the business from that phone call. Wow. And, again, part of me looks back and goes, why on earth didn't you sell it earlier? Mm. But I think it was that I needed a trigger to sell it. I needed Lawsy saying, I think I've got five years and I needed a health scare because otherwise I think I would have just limped on. Hate. I would have ended up hating and resenting it. Mm. Um, and certainly I'm so pleased that I didn't own it in COVID. So it was definitely a head decision, mm-hmm. uh, but ultimately it was the heart that said, Mel, it's time, just do it. Yeah. Um, and it, that's why it was so quick. But, of course, the head then kicked in and went, oh, my gosh, now what are you going to do? <laughs> and I'm the person that was quite literally working seven days a week between a preschool and that business and a financial uh, planning firm going, oh, no, wow. what am I going to do now? So I um, signed a book deal. Um, I started online courses all to try and fill the gap. And that was pure head. It was like quick 
fill the gap. (laughs) Yeah, wow. And I'm really grateful that one of those fill the gaps, which is online, my financial adulting plan on my course, is now the thing that I love so much. It is absolutely the perfect way for me to do business in that my introversion and that ability to uh, teach people at scale rather than it simply being one-on-one. Um, but also in a subject that I love, like I get to work with women, teaching them how to have wealth yeah. like it, and it just fills me up. And I know that there's no one else doing exactly how we're doing it, where it's both mindset and financial plan, like teaching you how to create your own financial plan and teaching you about investing. So it's meaty enough that I'm excited about it. Um, but it's also a woo-woo enough that I get excited about it. Um, but we're doing something else as well in the business space that I set up during that time that I'm now looking at going, I did that because I happen to be good at it. Is mm-hmm. this something we want to continue in 2022? And that's certainly something I'm looking at the moment. And my my lens at the moment that Lawsy and I are firmly fixing so that we're trying to bring head and heart and, and database guardian is just because we can doesn't mean we should. Mm. Um, and we're asking the question at the moment, what do we want to do? Mm. Yeah, what do we want to do? And what impact do we want to have? And if we say yes to that, what are we saying no to? Yeah. If we say yes to a speaking gig, what does that mean that we're saying no to? What what does it mean? Because there's always an energetic cost and there's always an opportunity cost. And sometimes the dollars aren't worth the long-term impact or the energy credits that you're going to spend. Energy credits is a huge one. There's so many of us that naturally end up if in a desire to please others or uh-huh. be, be accepted to be fitting in, end up giving our credits away without going, actually, is this, you know, is this just draining me yeah. and not, and not filling me when yeah. you get back to that time now and that making that transition from selling your business and then starting the financial adulting plan, you had, you had your financial planning business there. You talked about it, filling the gap, but, how did you decide that was the thing? Like, what was the decision-making process that you went through to go, okay, like, what made you go, yeah, like, how do you go about uh, signing, yeah. signing a yeah. book deal or I'll go and do this? Like, mm. there's a lot of people, especially in COVID, that have probably been sitting back, either being displaced by their jobs or the businesses that they've been working in have been, have been massively impacted or they're sitting there thinking, actually, this has really made me stop and reflect about my life. You know, you talked about trigger moments with Lawsy. You talked about trigger moments with going, your health's been massively impacted and that that stress driving a change. I feel Mm. like there's been a lot of trigger moments for so many of us over the last 18 months. I agree. That people are questioning themselves. Mm. What was the the process or the system that you used for yourself to go, okay, like these were the sort of, I know there's going to be lots of micro steps, but broad, broad, broad steps and, and buckets that could help guide someone in the same position to go, yeah, okay, this is how I might think about what am I going to fill my time and, and what could I, what do I need to consider in, in that, in that yeah. change? So definitely, I think people look across at me and think, oh, gee, she's lucky she gets to be in this position of doing that now. But definitely when I look back, it was the result of many, many decisions and things that didn't necessarily work out at the time that meant now the decisions that I'm making are working out. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that. So I made the decision at 39 that I wanted to write a book. I wanted it to be full colored. I wanted it to be comparing business and fashion. And I just, I'm a, I was a Western Sydney accountant with no one really knew who I was. So I self-published that. And that was a big financial investment. And I took that and I then uh, engaged uh, some PR and I said to them, I want this to go in white shiny boxes to uh like they were shoe boxes because I didn't have a lot of funds um, to so that I wanted to go through the offices so that people go, oh, my gosh, what is that? Yeah. And as a result of that, we had uh, 
you know, Cosmopolitan at the time contacted me and said, so we'd love to do an excerpt, uh, which, you know, is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. Amazing. And they ended up calling me back and saying, do you mind if it's a four page? I'm like, oh, sure. Amazing. Uh, Sydney Morning Herald contacted me and he said, look, I'm the finance editor at the time said, I'm surrounded by men in grey suits and you really seem like a chick. Like, I'm not sure what that means. He said, would you consider, uh, one of our writers is going away for a while, would you consider writing for me? And, you know, I ended up writing for them for seven years. So part of my trigger moments and my choices that I get to make now are a result of doing those things and making those decisions many years ago so that I am in the position that I am today. So it's being aware of just because you're planting the seed today, doesn't mean you're going to harvest it today, but it does mean that later on you potentially will be able to have the fruit of that then. So if you're not seeing it now, my uh, exhortation to people would be to say, keep going. Yeah. Don't be discouraged by that. But my trigger moments uh, during COVID were def- and for that sale were definitely, I because I'd had the couple of self-published books and one of them had done so well that Alan and Unwin had approached me and said, can we have that? I had a two book deal with them. So I had the ability to go to them and saying, hey, here's a book that I think would be great. Um, So there was that, which was a result of that decision to self-publish such a long time ago. Um, But I'd also been on a retreat with some good friends uh, in business that were in something called Power Players with Business Chicks that we chose to keep going. And to that retreat, one of them had invited Tina Tower, who I'm going to say pissed me off uh, (laughs) during that three days with stories of women that had run online courses with no uh, financial background. And she told me how much they were making, like millions of dollars. And that's the reason why I started online courses Mm. because I thought, oh, my gosh, I'd run an online course twice before but I didn't understand how to put the marketing behind it so the coming up with the ideas and the concepts has never been my problem but it's the having them stick and putting the time and energy into them yeah so when I decided during uh, after sale to do that course the thing that I'm grateful from all those learnings were don't just do it once keep sticking with it Mm. Um, so just because you try it once and it doesn't work doesn't mean it's not going to work in future and uh, our 270 person or uh, you know more almost 300k launch that we had recently was our sixth or seventh launch but our first launch was 13 people but my first launch really was more money for shoes or the business makeover series that I ran eight nine years ago that I ended up giving up after a couple And I look back now and go, Mel, if you'd stuck with that, what would have happened? But I didn't know what I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And that's where you may be doing something now and it's not quite working, but it might be tweaking and measuring it. And you know that it's a data, it's a uh, head-heart thing and it's actually tweaking and sticking with it rather than abandoning and trying something else. Or it might be that part of your decision now is to plant seeds that you may not necessarily see now that you'll see next year or the year after. Um, Certainly my thinking at the moment with COVID and there being so much fatigue is I kind of want to say, ah, screw it. And I'm looking to my sale going, oh, I wished I'd done that earlier. So maybe I should just let go of things earlier. Whereas I know that's decisions coming from my fatigue that I'm feeling. It's coming from the last two years where I just want to do things that fill me up. Whereas to be honest, energetically, I'm just tired and it may have nothing to do with the pro- the programs yes. I'm running. Absolutely. So, yeah, so I'm looking at it strategically still. I'll still engage the head with it, mm-hmm. but I'm going to hold off making a decision on whether I pull pins or whatever till closer to Christmas and even in the new year yeah. because I think there's wisdom in understanding how we feel and engaging the heart with that to say, okay, I know, I I see you, I know you're tired, but we're just going to push through this and we're still going to make a decision, but we're going to make a decision here after we're refreshed. And that decision could still be no or yes, but we're going to bring wisdom to it. Oh, wow. 
there's so much in that I'm just sitting again gosh so much of what you've just said resonates just with my own journey but also the women that I that I speak to and and what I've heard in 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 what you've just shared is one first of all that first book was a heart decision yeah it was a a, have a vision have a dream I want it to look this way yeah I recognize it's going to be a big ask financially but you know what my heart's calling me to to put something out there and I'm going to back myself right yep. so the, having that aspiration that imagination to go yeah and then play playing with that and then the mm. methodology to go right what's it going to take to get it out yeah there? engage the head and yeah. right how can we make sure this is strategic yeah absolutely, absolutely. on love that and then with the whole it's linked to planting your first seed like you don't know where it's going to take you You don't know when you're going to reap the harvest of it but it wasn't Mm. about hey I need to reap a harvest from this so therefore you're out you've planted the seed and the very next day you're stamping on it going come on yeah show me that was a failure beat myself up because I didn't get the numbers three weeks later that I should have yeah Yeah. right because it takes it takes a season it takes watering it takes nurturing it takes time for it to take root and then see what actually you're going to grow from that but also then the sense of allowing the external environment to trigger trigger thoughts ideas where it's engaged your heart and your head going okay yeah, Tina, you've you've sparked something in me that says I want to try something like this. Yeah. And I'm willing to figure out how. But yes. I also know from from time spent previously that the consistency of showing up yeah. requires the opportunity, as you will know in finance, for yeah. the interest and the res- returns to compound before I look to start seeking seeking impact. And yeah. Tina says to me after every single round, do you believe me now? that this is a business and this works. And and the reason I've kept some income with me that I don't love, but I've kept it is because every single time I go, not yet. <laughs> and it's that the, the it just doesn't, it hasn't connected hasn't aligned yet. fully yet. No, yeah. no. But you, you're aware enough to know there's a disconnect to then go at what point will I and that time and that space. And I think the final mm. point around that needing to take stock of what is the driver of this discomfort is this true is it a physical fatigue is it an emotional and mental fatigue because it's the same with making decisions out of fear like you know when people Mm. make choices to stay in an environment because they're scared about the uncertainty that's not the reason to stay but they haven't yet understood that it's a fear-based decision you know yes and the same fatigue-based and emotionally exhaustion-based decisions where you just go, oh, actually, I'm, I'm just, maybe this is not for me. And yeah. yeah, the wisdom to go, actually, no, I do need the time to reflect. I do need the time to engage both my head and my heart. And I need to nurture mm. myself first so that when I'm full, my head's going to be clearer in, yes, from a place of my heart being full, I'll know whether it's the right strategic choice or not. Yes. Oh, so much, so much in that, Mel. And when you're thinking about this next stage around the work that you're doing with the financial adulting plan and you've got the business adulting, you've got that sort of focused around female leaders, both and not just necessarily female, but majority of your mm. your, your audience being female. Yeah. How how do you see the work you're doing making an impact in their worlds? Um, and what part of that drives you because I know initially it's like right okay let's see if I can make a decision if around creating a business that drives wealth but I've often found money might be the initial kickstarter but it's rarely Mm. enough to sustain a great emotional connection to to the journey and the work that it takes to keep going so for me there has to be transformation for me to want to do it um so there has to be dollars and there has to, because I'm not running a charity, but there has to be transformation or I'm not interested. And that's something I've learned about myself. Mm-hmm. I need those twin drivers. And without one of them, it won't sustain me long-term. And what we're seeing in the My Financial Adulting Plan is absolutely that transformation. And I'm talking the little things where someone might look over and say, 
where people are cutting up credit cards and unsubscribing from buy now, pay later and posting that in groups and talking about it Mm. or they're realising about themselves, oh, this is why I behave the way that I do. It's because of this money story or this money bias or, oh, my partner doesn't do money badly. They're just a different money type than me. Oh, okay. Or maybe they've never acknowledged their financial situation before and seen it in black and white like we do in our strategic plan. And that alone has made them realise, okay, I need to step up. All the way through to massive amounts of debt paid off, women investing for the first time ever, um, through to renegotiating uh, loans and, you know, dragging their menfolk if they're married and saying, hey, I know you didn't want to do this, but she just said we should be asking for a better rate on our loan. Mm -hmm. And when they do that and they come back and say, hey, so I just saved us, as in one person did, I just saved us $18,000 a year. And he went, ah, maybe I should take a look at this. So Mm -hmm. women are leading their partners and their community, but also, and this is a part I'm really loving, their kids too. Um, And there was one woman who said she went Christmas shopping with her kids and she's talking to them about financial literacy doing it. See that after pay sign kids? This is why we're choosing to not use that. Um, See this? This says says Visa, but it's a debit card. And this is why I'm using this, not this. And when we're going out, usually I'd let you have this and this. This is why we're not doing that on this occasion, but we can choose to do this instead. So like it's transformation, not just band-aids. Yeah. And that's what I'm so freaking excited to see. Yeah, fantastic. And with, with that clarity that you're seeing in other people's journeys, how does that help you continue to show up? Because you mentioned you're an introvert, but yeah, yeah. I see your beautiful Instagram story, <laughs> your webinars, <laughs> you're doing so much speaking. And mm. when you think about public speaking, you know, it's been you know, reported that most people would rather die than public speaking. <laughs> <laughs> the fear associated with being seen, but not just mm. being seen, Mel, but having a stand for something. Like you're yeah. very vocal about, I don't stand for afterpay. This is what I don't believe in. Yeah. That invites criticism. It invites critique. And it does. when people are wired to, you know, please others and and you know not upset people how how have you worked through people pleasing Mm. to actually go no this is really important I stand for this and I'm willing to be criticized and I'm willing to be having a voice and get over the fact that energetically this might drain me to keep showing up on social media but actually this is all worth it because like how, how do you work through that journey I think part of it is all the work I've done on being a people pleaser now. So making sure I have really strong boundaries around how I show up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love the work of Brene Brown. And, and she said some of the most empathetic people have the strongest boundaries. And I see that as true for me. So I show up for my community, but very boundaried. Um, so they know that they can't email me and ask me a question. They have to ask it within a group because then that's everyone learning and my inbox isn't affected. So it's just, and that's just one little example, but I have very, very strong boundaries. But I also think it's that situational extroversion. So I can turn up on a live and it really, uh, I love having my brain picked. I love sharing knowledge. So for me, that's such an easy way for me to turn up um, for an hour over the eight weeks and do it. Um, social media is a little bit tougher. I never would have shown up how I am on social media pre-COVID. So I'm the child that hates seeing photos of myself. I would never allow them. I was bullied terribly at school. So I would never sit at the front of the class because I don't want you to see my side profile. So I would hate uh, photos of myself. And But when COVID happens, I had to turn up and do videos because it's, I realised it wasn't about me. I just wanted people to understand the impact that COVID was having and I was so worried for so many people. So, be, so when the focus came off me and when I look back over those videos now and I go, oh, my God, they're so bad. But because they were so bad, now it doesn't matter. <laughs> so it kind of pushed me and that that moment pushed me past it so that I can turn up and kind of not care anymore. Yeah. Uh, so I took that from COVID 
uh, as a, a really positive thing it's that it's allowed me to do that. Yeah, and for me, and I'm no, no doubt many others, gives permission to just go, yeah, like it's possible. And yeah. also that purpose being much greater than your fear. And, yes, and um, you don't, like I don't read the comments of uh, people that I think are having a go when I know this is really important to me, but I'm also happy to educate yes. it when it's a platform that I really believe in. And for me, I'm working out that that platform is actually really important. And it's, I think there's so much beige in the world. And Seth Godin said that, you know, that we're just going to really struggle with being beige. Mm-hmm. And if you're willing to stand out, which is very un-Australian, but if you're willing to stand out, yes, you're going to have people take shots at you. Um, yes, there's going to be a people that say, oh, that person's not for me. But gosh, the people that are for you are going to be really stridently for you. And that's really important too. Yeah, I think that courage of your convictions, the, the soundness of your own wisdom to go, what's my why? What, what am yeah. I really doing? What's the, the transformation that I'm wanting to leave the world, you know, with uh, what's what's my inner driver so that ultimately externally I can show up without feeling the need for your validation or your validation yes. or your validation you know because I'm actually mm. seeking it somewhere that meaning somewhere so much deeper within me that regardless of your pot shots that you might have about my, my beliefs or, or the ways that I do things actually I know I'm not in need of your approval of me and I think once the women that I've worked with two, you know, start seeing that actually their their voice matters, they yeah. opinion, and they can stand in their truth and be okay to own it and mm. know that actually by them stepping up that they can make that ripple effect just like you have with, with mums and their kids and then their education and the conversations they have with their friends about money and how they look after wealth, but also what it means. Like this yes. literacy thing is so important because we don't get educated in finances. I'm no. ex-accountant by background, but management accountant. And when I sit here and think, gosh, there's so much about money that even, you know, I feel like I should know, but didn't know until you start then making a concerted effort to go, how am I investing? What am I doing around looking after my own financial well-being? And I think that independence to go, actually, women can be providers and protectors as well as men. And if we start sharing this responsibility, then we don't have to put men under the pressure of being the household providers. We can we can share the load and add value and contribution in in the way we intuit different things, the way we see the world and bring more of that balance to the ideas around the board table and in businesses around, around the country to go, yeah, the, the benefit of having both genders at the table, sharing, sharing an opportunity that may have been missed if we hadn't considered all of the diversity that people yeah. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely get great. So Mel, just to, I feel like I could talk to you for hours and hours, but I know you've got a busy schedule and it's mm. boundaries around time. So <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yeah. I want to honor them for you, both you and myself. But mm. if I was to ask you for your parting wisdom to a woman who has it within her to be unstoppable, but doesn't yet see that she does, what guidance would you give based on your your experience and journey so far? Oh, that's a that's an interesting question. I would tell her to try and uh, turn down the noise. Uh, so, for especially if as she's a people pleaser, especially if she's looking to external validation, to turn down the noise uh, so that there's she's influenced less by things that aren't right. Uh, for that or that will that will dim her capability but also at the same time be curating uh, a community or an environment so that whether that is professional help whether that is friends whether that is um, colleagues so that she has the support and also the guidance and the work that she's done on herself so that she's able to um step out into everything that she's capable of yeah I love that yeah. hand down the noise it's such a 
a simple but powerful insight, right? Because we do yeah. take on so much from an external environment. Oh, and it's so easy to say, not so easy to do. No, it's definitely think, possible. Yeah, mm. I think it's practice. You know, the, the consistency yes. of showing up for ourselves has to be the driver first and foremost, and then and then what we can do do for others. So in terms of how people contact you, how do mm. they find more about the financial adulting plan? Mm. So Lawsy will send you a link so that you can have that in your show notes. So nice and easy. Uh, but also I'm over at, on Insta at More Money for Shoes where I give lots and lots of um, tips, tricks and advice um, or melissabrown.com.au and I'm a fancy brown. I've got an E on the end. <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. And when does your program next open? Feb 22 is the next round. Perfect. Uh, so we're excited to uh, really feel that with all the uncertainty of the last couple of years, really help people to make really wise choices for 2022 as the world starts to open up oh it sounds perfect and if anyone's considering it you've got time to evaluate where you are and then make that head and heart aligned decision ready for february so oh mel thank you so much it's been an absolute Mm -hmm. honor having you on the show i'm so appreciative of your time and i've no doubt the women listening to this will have got so much value from your wisdom so thank you so so much oh you're so welcome thanks for having me You're most welcome and look forward to catching up very soon. Yes, it'll be nice. (laughs) Thank you. No worries. Wow, what an episode that was. I was certainly blown away by the insights that Mel shared and I'm so grateful to have had that opportunity to, to listen into her wisdom and guidance. We often look at successful women and wonder how they've got there and we never get to see or hear the behind the scenes journey so I hope you got as much out of that episode as I did. Now one of the things that Mel shared was a Brené Brown quote around some of the most empathetic people have the strongest boundaries and I know in listening to her talk about her journey it's made me realise that we can all choose the life that we want to design but we have to do it consciously and setting strong boundaries is a huge part of that. Now what that means for this podcast is that I've made the decision to take some time out over Christmas and New Year to recharge my batteries so I'm going to pause on Unstoppable Woman until early in the new year in 2022. A real opportunity to come back and bring fresh energy and inspiration to you through the podcast and get some more fabulous women on the show to share their stories. What I've learned over this past little while in doing this podcast is that we have to keep honouring who we are and we have to keep reassessing the rules that we're living by. And if I learn anything, and I learned many things from this episode with Mel, The thing is that you get to define those rules, that you get to define what you stand for and the life that you want to embody. And certainly for me, my boundaries are rest and recharge, an opportunity for me to redirect my focus to filling my own cup so that I can come back and share more inspirational wisdom and guidance from other women who have been through the journey too. So thank you so much for listening in for this episode please subscribe. So if you want to be the first to hear the new episodes in the new year for season four of Unstoppable Woman, you won't miss out. Thanks again. And I look forward to catching up with you very, very soon. Thanks so much for listening to the Unstoppable Woman podcast. The path to the future you want leads from your heart. If you got value from this podcast, please leave a review and share it with another woman who you know would benefit from it too. We need more women claiming their seats at the table. Until next time, live your truth and be unstoppable.